We live in difficult times, great God. There are so many distractions. School starting. Wars in foreign places. Hurricanes in the Gulf. Earthquakes that have destroyed homes and lives. Quiet all those things in our hearts and minds. And bring us into this moment so that we can hear your good news. Help us to hear it and enable us to do it. And help others to see through us that, that you love them through our actions. We pray this in Christ's name. May God's people say, Amen. Amen. We're in Mark's Gospel. Uh, we've been a series, uh, I think five Sundays, we've been talking about uh, the table and how important the table is. And we've been talking about that in relationship to John. But we're back into Mark now, and we are in the seventh chapter, starting at the first verse. Jesus and the Pharisees are having a confrontation here now, God's Word. The Pharisees and some of the teachers of the law who had come from Jerusalem gathered around Jesus and saw some of His disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees and all the Jews don't, do not eat unless they give their hands a ceremonial washing, holding to the tradition of the elders. When they come to the marketplace, they do not eat unless they wash. And they observe many other traditions such as washing of cups and pitchers and kettles. So the Pharisees and teachers of the law ask Jesus, why don't, don't your disciples live according to the tradition of the elders instead of eating their food with unclean hands or defiled hands? Jesus replied, Isaiah was right. When he prophesied about you hypocrites, as it is written, these people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are merely human rules. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to human traditions. Again, Jesus called, to the, called the crowd to him. He said, listen to me, everyone understand this. Nothing outside of you can make you unclean by going into you. It is what comes out of you that makes you unclean. The Word of the Lord. This is water, not coffee. <laughs> Do you remember what your mom used to say before a meal? If your mom was like my mom, she would say, Eddie, supper's ready, now go. Oh, I thought my mom was the only one that did that. <laughs> was that what the Pharisees meant in our passage today? Was it merely a matter of hygiene? Well, yes, it was to make their hands clean. That is pretty clear. But no, what the disciples, what the Pharisees were really asking was a far more serious matter. They were asking Jesus this question, who is worthy to come before the Lord? Let that sink in. Who is worthy to come before the Lord? 
This idea of cleanliness was part of what's called the holiness code that came from the Old Testament. And it came from the Old Testament people being in exile in Babylon. And during this period, the Pharisee class grew in importance and it flourished. And being Jewish meant something distinct. Their identity was wrapped up in being clean and a worldview that separated people. These people were clean and these people were not. In other words, what they were trying to do with this holiness code was to control those who were close to them and who was not close to them. The clean would be invited close and the uh, unclean, the dirty, would be over there. At times we think of these biblical passages, passages as something lost in, in time, yet, yet we are not different from that day. We struggle with some of the same questions. I know none of you have ever said this. Did you see what she's wearing? <laughs> How about this one? This, is, this pulls on my guy roots, okay? Can you believe that he drives... Oh man, a Ford? <laughs> the church is not that different. Like the head waiter of an elegant restaurant, some Christians and churches want to have holiness bouncers who stand at the velvet rope and decide who is acceptable and who is unacceptable into the Lord's club. After all, we can't just let anyone into church, can we? We can't let just anyone in here. I remember a time in seminary when I went to visit a church. I was required by seminary to go visit a tradition other than Presbyterian. And so I decided that Sunday I would go down, go to the church on Monument Avenue that was at the very end of Monument Avenue. Uh, there was a touchdown Jesus, if you will, at the very end of their stained glass. And so when you're driving down Monument Avenue, you can see touchdown Jesus. It was great. So let's go there. So I go there. And the first thing that happens, it was a Missouri Synod Lutheran Church. I walked in the door and I saw an elder in that church go over to the pastor and the pastor and he had a conversation and I was pointed out and the pastor made a beeline over to me and he said, we are close to starting and I can't interview you now. If you can come back during the week, I'll have a chance to question and inquire about your faith. And then I'll decide if you're ready to take communion here. <laughs> I'm still mad. <laughs> but it was a requirement of the worship and I wanted to get it done. So I stayed for worship. But to be honest, I was offended. Is a communion really between God, the God of my understanding and my heart? After all, I'm a child of the covenant. My heart was made clean by the, by the blood of the Lamb, but obviously I needed one man's approval to come to the table. Yeah, I am mad. What's really going on between Jesus and the Pharisees? In our lesson for today, the Pharisees gathered around Jesus and saw some of his disciples eating food with hands that were unclean, that is, unwashed. The Pharisees, being devoted Jews, did not eat unless they gave their hands a ceremonial washing, says our scripture. 
When they came to the marketplace, they did not eat unless they, unless they washed. And they observed many of the other traditions that involved cleaning with water, such as washing cups and pitchers and kettles. Washing was a big deal for the Pharisees. There's a lot more going on here than just washing hands. What's really going on here? What's really going on here? When we look at the surrounding text, we see, we find the Pharisees have just come from Jerusalem. Most likely, they had to pass through a large marketplace to get there. And in that marketplace, they contacted, oh man, they contacted some Gentiles. <laughs> oh no. Remember the Gentiles? Anyone who's a Jew, non-Jew is a Gentile. All contact with any non-Jew made a Pharisee ritually unclean. And before they were acceptable to God, in God's sight, they had to wash away the taint of being a Gentile. Who's a Gentile? You. You. Me. They didn't want to come into a creepy, crawly, slimy you. In Jesus' day, we were the dirty. We were on the outside looking in. So listen with new ears to what Paul is saying with his radical view, his radical change, his radical understanding of the good news of the gospel. Paul says we are all one in Christ Jesus. We are neither Jew nor Greek nor slave nor free. We are all one. Welcome to the house of the Lord, my friends. Welcome. This is good news. We owe a lot of God's work and why we worship and work in the church today to, to the Apostle Paul. But let's not give the Pharisees all a bad rap here. Scripture did give them their righteous position. We must acknowledge that they were trying to do the right thing. Scripture deals a lot with unclean and clean positions. Psalm 24, who, was, who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? And who shall stand in His holy place? And there's an expected answer. Those who have clean hands and pure hearts. Other scriptures point out the need to be clean. Isaiah was mentioned in our text today. Remember in Isaiah 6 what, what's going on there? Isaiah 6. Isaiah first hears God's call to become a prophet and he cries out. He says these words, I am ruined for I am a man of unclean lips, and I live among a people of unclean lips. And my eyes have seen the King, the King, the Lord Almighty. Isaiah 6.5 Isaiah, that great prophet, saw himself as being unclean. Over and over and over again, the, the shared scriptures of the Old Testament make reference to being clean and unclean. It's a big deal. It's a big deal. And the Pharisees, they were serious students of Scripture. They wanted to get it right. They're not bad people. They wanted to get it right. For the Pharisees were acutely aware of God's holiness. God is over there, perfect. And the imperfect humanity is way over here. And between us stands a grand canyon of sin. Who is worthy to come before the Lord? To a Jew that... Who was worthy was no one. We must respect the Pharisees. They wanted to honor God. For centuries, the Jews had practiced external rules of, of cleanliness, like the washing of hands and feet, to remind them that they needed to be cleaned and that, that, 
there is a holiness to God. Yet over the centuries, their reminder became a rule. And then the rule turned into a religion. Eventually, their hearts were hardened, and while the Pharisees understood it with their head, God wanted it in their hearts as well. With Christ's outstretched arms on the cross, God bridged that chasm of sin between the head and the heart and brought us together with God. So hear Jesus speak. Jesus replies, Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you hypocrites. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teachings are but rules taught by men. You have let go of the commands of God and are holding on to the traditions of men. Jesus called the crowd to him and said, Listen to me, everyone, and understand this. Nothing outside a person can make you unclean by going into you. Rather, it is what comes out of a person that makes you unclean. Here's what Jesus is saying. Don't judge your devotion to God by how clean your hands are. Your devotion to God shows up in your morals and your ethics and your attitudes and your motives. Do your motives bring healing and wholeness? Does wholeness and healing come out of your motives or does it, does it breed fear and judgment and separation and segregation? Does your motives build a wall of suspicion and hate to keep those out or does it build bridges of healing and hope and care? And most important, does your devotion to God show in your love for God and your love for others? Let me be just this clear. Jesus wanted them and us to hear that people, people are more important than a ritual. Look at the surrounding text and you'll see it. Recall Jesus and his friends ministered in a place called Gennesaret. Mark describes Jesus' ministry there, and wherever he went, into, into villages and towns and countrysides, they packed the sick in the marketplaces. They begged him, begged him to let them touch even the edge of his cloak. And all who touched him were healed. That's what you were singing about. He touched me. Jesus let sick people touch him. Let that sink in. Jesus let the sick to touch him. Jesus let sick people touch him. The disease and the disabled who were ritually under, unclean under Pharisaical law, they were barred from offering their sacrifices in the temple. They were unacceptable in the sight of God and they could touch him. The Pharisees were so concerned with ritual, and ritual cleanliness that they washed themselves after passing through the marketplace because they were in the mere presence of Gentiles. Yet Jesus wasn't simply in the presence of Gentiles, the sick, the sinners. Jesus did something far more radical. He touched them. Even more, He let them touch Him. And everyone who received his touch was healed, made acceptable in the sight of God. And what a beautiful thought. Jesus touched people, and he let unclean people touch him. 
But before we go too far, we must be honest. We must be ruthlessly honest with ourselves. We're no different than the Pharisees. We're really not. Consider this morning what would happen if an unclean person started visiting our our worship service. What if a homeless person showed up today? What if a drug addict came and sat next to you, Holly? What if a prostitute came and sat next to you, Jim? How would we react? What would we do? I'm just asking. I did not say that. But I did, didn't I? These Gentiles of today, what if they were to come here? Could we handle it? Or would we head toward the nearest bathroom after they were gone to wash our hands? On Sunday morning, it is a good thing. Rachel, John, Jonathan, they lead us in some wonderful music. I love singing. The way we dress for worship, that's all a good thing. The way our worship space looks, it's wonderful, isn't it? We don't want to be tacky after all, but, there's, but here's the point. If our religious concerns and activities stand as a barrier between other people and God, those concerns and activities are no longer a good thing. They are an abomination. It's a scary thing to think about, isn't it? What's really, think, what's really scary is to consider how far the church of 2021 is from what, what Jesus meant for it to be. You see, the Pharisees were really good people. They really were. We're good people too. The Pharisees were a lot like us. They wanted rules. They wanted things set in concrete. They wanted to know where the boundaries were. These people are bad. These people are good. These people are acceptable. Those people are unacceptable. These people are clean. Those people are dirty. Yet where do we draw the line? What do we do with Jesus' message that he has come not to champion the well, but to to deliver those who are sick? It's a problem, isn't it? It's a problem. And legalism comes in many forms. Some Christians who, who draw a line that excludes people are not, who are not from their tribe. I just talked about one earlier, the Missouri Synod Lutherans. But we have Presbyterians and Baptists and Lutherans and Episcopalians and Pentecostals and yeah, Roman Catholics. We exclude people by age and gender. By the way, if, if you don't think we have rules... We need the whole family and to gather and be as one. For we are all one in Jesus, but we do a lot to separate ourselves, don't we? Here's the truth. Christ cuts through all the rules. God loves people. And Jesus shows us how much. All people, people on the political left, people on the political right, people with crew cuts, people with dreadlocks. People who are gay, people who are straight. God even loves sinners. Thank God for that. Anyone reading the New Testament for the first time would conclude that the real enemy of faith is legalism. Particularly legalism that tries to determine who's in and who's out. However, if we were to look at the sweep of history over the centuries, we would conclude many of us weren't listening to the message of Jesus. 
For legalism is alive and well. It's alive and well in our churches. It's alive and well here. In case we somehow missed the gospel, let me say it again. The only thing that God cares about is people. Not legalism. Not ritual. We are a free people, saved and justified by grace through faith. And it doesn't matter who those people are, what they look like or what they've done. Even even if, the, if they are prodigals in that far-off country giving themselves to some riotous living, there's a patient, loving, divine parent at home waiting, praying, hoping, ready to accept and to forgive. And if the boy does come home smelling of a pig pen, that's okay. That's okay. The loving parent doesn't stand apart and order the prodigal to go wash himself off. No, the loving parent runs out and throws his arms around the prodigal and welcomes him home. That's the gospel. That's the gospel. For all people make bad choices. That's sure. I know I've made my share. Even the dutiful son, that one who stayed home, remember him? That one that stayed home, tending to the farm, who inherited all that was left of the loving parent. What did he do? What did he do? Something far more egregious than the prodigal. He stood outside at the party of the welcome home of the prodigal son, his brother, and made his daddy come outside. He wouldn't go in. Daddy had to come to him. It's our business to help them put their lives back together. We are to welcome them home too. Deep in our hearts, we know that. So when we leave here this morning and get it in our cars, we, you and I, must remember, remember that we are Jesus. We are Jesus to every person we meet. Let me ask, where will people touch Jesus today? More hurting and distressed people need to touch Jesus today than ever before. Where can they go? For every generation draws its own lines concerning who is clean and unclean. Let me close with a story. It's a personal one. It was a Thanksgiving. It was a Thanksgiving and I was tired. I was really tired. I may have been grumpy too. It was a Wednesday evening. We did, did it. We did a Wednesday service before Thanksgiving at my church. And after the service, I was asked by a friend a friend in a Roman Catholic church. He was the youth minister in a Roman Catholic church, Church of the Redeemer. He asked me if I would go and help him with the service. He asked me if I would come and, and visit with him, and I had said yes, but that night, that Wednesday night, I was tired and grumpy. I didn't want to go. Because in the Roman Catholic church, I was not able to take communion. You get a, big, get a sense that this is a big deal for me? <laughs> What I had to do was stand at the end of the pew and let everyone pass, everyone pass, and then come to the table. The priest, the priest and the deacon would hand the, the, the wafer to the person and then the cup and all that stuff. And I'm standing there at the end of the pew. I'm watching everybody go by. I look over. Father John's over there. Father John DiGiorgio, never forget him. He looks at me and everybody's going front and he looks back at me and he continues to do his thing. And then he looks at me and he winks. 
And then he nods his head to come to the table. When we meet people this week, may we wink at them and bring them to the table. Amen. God be the glory.